hello and welcome to the AFB podcast where we bring you stories and insights from those who are truly unconventional and extraordinary. I'm your host Norris and today I am with uh, um, David Capo de Lupo um, and my co-hosts Molly and Fabian. Um, today we'll be talking about how to switch careers successfully, the do's and do nots and everything in between. We're sitting t- today with uh, David, who has about forty years experience at an executive, uh, forty years executive level experience um, in client services, process improvement, sales, and leading investment at leading investment firms. David is currently the assistant dean at MIT uh, at MIT Sloan School of Management in the global pro- in global programs. His programs portfolio includes established collaborations with the master's program and academic institutions within Malaysia, China, Korea, Australia, Portugal, India, Russia, Turkey, Taiwan, Chile, and Brazil. I like you put Malaysia first. That was, that was clever. <laughs> David also has, uh, is also part of the founding team um, uh, at a- that um, started the ASB and MIT collaboration, and um, he's a valued and respected member of the ASB community. So we are glad to have David and uh, it's a pleasure having you. Here. Happy to be here. Yeah, ASB is a near and dear to my heart for, um, oh my gosh, about 12 years now, even before it started when it was just an idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe just give us a little bit about um, those founding days. How was it, uh, you know, just uh, what it took to actually get all of this, um, all of this started? Oh my gosh, it was... Uh, it's the first time that we really worked with a school that didn't exist. I mean, it was an idea, so starting from scratch. And I remember working with uh, Governor Zeddy and Sham uh, quite a bit in terms of their vision, their ideas, and how to get this off the ground, um, the investment opportunity, the fact that it was something that would differentiate um, in the region was very important. And why we chose to work with uh, Bek Nagara and formerly Asia School of Business is because we wanted to learn more about the region. We wanted to learn uh, more about uh, making a difference, and we thought we could become better um, together through this collaboration. Awesome. I'm going to now get a little bit personal, because I know our our crowd are MBA students, and they Mm -hmm. always want to know, like, yeah, we know that stuff, but we want to know a little (laughs) bit. That's on LinkedIn, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Yeah. we want to get to know uh, David a little bit better. 40 Mm -hmm. years of work experience is longer than I've been alive. I know, that's... You're <laughs> supposed amazing. to make me feel good as uh, interviewing me. No, it's, I know. It's I completely know. amazing. Yeah. Two things that stood out for us, right, that you made two um, uh, distinctive career changes. Um, it's You're an English major, and you went into investments, and then you spent some time there, and then you made another career pivot into higher education. So our question is, you know, we wanted to know what was that process like? How, why, how did you decide on those career changes? And uh, I think some of the, I think that will resonate with our audience because a lot of us want to know how do you make career changes? Yeah, sure. So uh, this is, of course, personal to me. So some things may resonate, some things may not. Um, But as an English major, I remember I had my thesis and I was very proud of it. And I started job interviewing actually in Boston and New York, and I said, here's my thesis, and I'm an English major. And they were like, that's very nice, I know you're proud of it, but what skills do you have that are we're gonna benefit from from our company? 
And I said, well, I communicate very well, I present very well. And they were like, that's great. You know, they were appeasing me, but what skills do you have? And after about 10 of these <laughs> interviews, I thought, hmm, how do I get the skills that people are looking for? Because I didn't want to be um, a teacher. Yeah. And I didn't want to sit in a room and just proof manuscripts and um, write stories. I really wanted to be part of a team. So I said, the one thing that I don't know a lot about are how investments work. So I dressed up. I went for an interview, looking in the paper. Back then, we used newspapers. And I said it was an entry-level position. And I was hired as a broker, working for an investment company. I loved it because I had never studied investments, how stocks works, how bond works, qualified plans, portfolio managers, analysts. And I was just so excited to be part of a world that I knew nothing about. And it was the 80s, the 1980s, so the economy was going well. Mutual funds were just booming. Qualified to find uh, benefit plans, 401ks, 403bs. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was this shy little English major. What am I doing here? And I just loved it. And my parents were like, what are you doing? We're not really sure. Like, you were always the artistic, quiet person. <laughs> so I found a niche that I knew nothing about, and I just absorbed it. And year after year, I was getting promoted. And um, I became a senior vice president. I was the youngest vice president in this firm, actually. And I had about 350 people under me. Wow. Yeah. So I got all my licenses, all of these things. It was just amazing. I never thought I'd be in this position. So I enjoyed that. Uh, for so, a while. so you actually accumulated the skills then in within the career. Correct. Um, so Correct. I'm, I'm guessing you probably built like confidence uh, coming from like I didn't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a try, and then you loved it, and then you just Absolutely. accumulated the skills. This the skills thing. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's that's actually interesting. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you made another career pivot. Now you're going from investments, and you just said it's something that you enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you stayed. You they stay there for uh, quite some time. How then do you move to <laughs> higher education? <laughs> yeah. That that's a good question. So um, I'm the type of person that once I learn something and I feel I've accomplished, I kind of peak. Yeah. And then one thing I've always been aware of is that life is very linear. Yeah. And I noticed that when I was 18 years old, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly 20, then I'm 25, and then I'm 30. And I realized that life goes by faster and faster and faster. And you've probably already recognized that, that it keeps yeah. going faster. And I thought to myself, maybe there are other things I want to do since I've mastered this. And I was sitting on an airplane. Um, I had to fly to New York uh, three times a week because my boss was there and I saw a gentleman sitting across the aisle probably 20 years older than I was and I said I'm going to be that gentleman just like that yeah. so it was more do I want to keep on this path or do I want to do something differently and I realized that I had the skill set so I understand investments but I also in my life I wanted to do something that, that was a little more impactful that mm -hmm. directly affected the end user so I was helping people retire. I never met them. Yep. I mean, I was helping, you know, answer brokers' calls and doing trades and dealing with billions of dollars, but I never saw the end user. And what I liked about MIT was that um, I was approached. And MIT said, we're looking for a business person to work at the School of Management. Usually we have people who have always been in academia. 
I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to travel, you know, I, I, I just don't think it's that interesting. I said, come interview with us. So I was going to go sailing that day. So I was like, should I go sailing or should I interview at MIT? And I said, let me interview at MIT. And um, I enjoyed meeting the deans, the faculty. And I thought for this next stage of my life, it goes back to I wanted to reinvent myself and learn something. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was important to me for, to work for an organization that was established, had a great reputation. And I actually, I, I was a little boy here at MIT day camp. You know, oh. I was like 10 years old, uh, running the ceiling. And I have relatives who worked at MIT. That's not how I got the job. I never said that. <laughs> but um, I liked finding myself in this uh, type of environment where it will keep me on my toes, okay. working with the best faculty in the world, and people demand a lot. And I said, that's what I'm going to subject to myself next. So you mentioned that, um, you know, you, you wanted to... Um, basically, like there was a theme of, of constant reinventing yourself. Um, were there any takeaways from like your old career, maybe similarities or differences that mm. you kind of maybe this I can take <laughs> and this I have to totally now? Uh, absolutely, that's a great yeah. question. I think the similarities are you have to know how money works. I yeah. think no matter even if you're working for a nonprofit, mm -hmm. you have to know how funding works, how to read spreadsheets, balances, how the margins calculated. So that was very transferable coming over. The other thing I noticed, and this is some advice for all of you, is what do you find yourself very good at? I find it a natural talent. And for some reason, I loved managing people. I loved coaching. I loved sitting down with them, establishing goals. And um, I could transfer that over here, too, because I would have a team. The differences? Yeah. Uh, probably a lot of the reason you work in finance is because you want to make money. Yeah. You want to help people also with their money, but it's money is a big motivator. It's almost like a startup, right? You want to make sure you can go public, you can, you know, your shares are worth. So money, not for everyone, but for a lot, it's money. So I came from that environment to here where money is not the motivator. And I couldn't pay people in stock or bonuses <laughs> or things like that, or promote them every year. Um, so I thought, why do they want to work here? Like, what's the motivation to stay here? So that was a big change for me, um, to try to incentivize people to do their work, to be better, um, like, what's your career path ahead of you? Um, I think that was, the, uh, that was the biggest difference. Wow. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. I think what we heard from you was, your two primary career options, one at Putnam and one in MIT, was both like intrinsically and extrinsically very fulfilling, right? Yes. And I think for a lot of people, and people I've spoken to in my classroom as well, for some, for some of them, the jobs were intrinsically fulfilling, but they didn't necessarily fulfill the extrinsic factor. I mean, perhaps because we're in the COVID time, inflation is quite high at this point of time and all of that. So assuming I had to ask advice from you, that you're in a job, you're in below your 30s, because I think every time your priorities changes, whether it's interesting or extrinsic, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and the job you're in is intrinsically fulfilling, but not extrinsically so. Mm -hmm. And how would you navigate that situation if that were you during, current, during the current climate? Yeah, so is this uh, like going back in time if I had to look at myself again, or oh. is this more giving you some advice? Uh, maybe if you were in that position now, given the current climate. 
Yeah, given the current climate, um, I know this sounds basic, but you have to determine what's important to you. What is really important to you? As they say, I've always said, even as a little kid, my parents were worried. I said, life goes by really fast. So what's important to you? I would try to say to myself, um, am I getting the talent in the current job and the skill sets that'll get me to where I want to be? So that when I have an interview, it's going to be, no, I know how to do Bitcoin or no, I know how to do... Um, you know, algorithms for getting data analytics for whatever, whatever. I've had experience in that. Um, so that'd be one path. And I also think as you approach your 30s, you should narrow down your paths. This is another rule for me. When I was younger, in my 20s, I have five paths I can take. Um, but I think by your 30s, you should have three. And then in your 40s, you're going to start getting to your peak earning potential. You know, narrow it down. Because there are 20-year-olds behind you yeah. that, you know, want you to retire and leave so that they can take the spot, too. So I think that's uh, where my mind... And I also, I think I've had to do it... Um, I don't know what it's like in Malaysia, but take risks. Take some risk. Put yourself in an environment um, that you're not comfortable with and try to learn what are your vulnerabilities and what things do you want to work on if you choose to. Um, to do that, because I think failing is a wonderful teacher. You don't want to fail the same thing over and over again. That's that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but to say that you tried to do something, think of the learning that you have. And I also think for me, I, as I said, I love managing people. Yeah. I could not be a salesperson in a car or a plane on my own. I need to have staff meetings. I love this team I formed. I like sitting down and saying, what do you like about the job? What can we change? What do you want to do? Even if it's not at MIT, I will coach and develop you, even if you want to leave one day. But I'll get the best employee if I know that I'm working with him or her on these things. I love doing that. In fact, at Putnam, I was quoted as saying, he's one of our best managers. You know, we have a lot of analytics people, but in terms of people management, and I was so proud of that, and I wanted to try in a different area. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, it okay. is. I just wanted to pick your brain to see yeah. where you sort of would think of, would think about this situation. Yeah. 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 So our generation is um, notorious for not staying in jobs too long. I know that. <laughs> and other things, but yes, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll choose that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll choose yeah. that one to talk about. Um, Wally came, uh, I don't know if it's a term you came up with. No, or it's for, it's, I was it's, told. You were told in, in Malaysia there's this term that it's either two years up or two years out. And uh, that's... Uh, uh, that is stressful. Yeah. Wow. So, two years yeah. up or out. Or out, yeah. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like a, a, a mantra that um, if I'm not going to get promoted within two years, then I'm going to leave the company and look for, for you know, a better opportunity. Um, you stayed in, in companies, you know, for the long term. It's look, it looks like it's because you, you possibly even enjoyed the work. What's your thoughts on, 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 on that mentality? What's your thoughts, or, or maybe you could give advice or, or caution, yeah. or, or just your general thoughts on, on um, how the work the, the workspace is right now? Yeah. Two years up. Two well, years it's, up, it's funny. Up so there are commonalities, even though I'm a lot older than, than the three of you, was that at Putnam, I was yeah. there 17 years. If I didn't get promoted within a year, I was going to leave. Oh. So... It's, it's an interesting, it's kind of a similar premise, but at a different time. So that was my goal. I mean, if I was going to stay at somewhere longer, I, had, I don't like maintaining things. So it was like, 
I have to prove something. And I also ask, now that I have the brokerage stuff down, put me in the family office. I want to learn to work with wealthy families and how trusts work. Or put me in the liquidations department, put me in the order room. So I wanted to have this repertoire because I wanted to know what I really liked from my final chapter and also what was I good at? What was I struggling? And we're, you know, we all know this. There are people who are better than you will always be. And there are things we always have to learn. That's good. Where do I fit in into that niche? So, but to your question about, um, you know, I, I'm not part of your generation. So I think there are reasons why people leave. I'm going to be arrogant and assume that that's okay. That's okay. One is you can make more money as you hop around, which is great if that's what you want. The second thing is you may be able to get higher in an organization. I leave here and I can jump two levels to go. That's wonderful if you can do that. Um, the third is you don't feel that you're respected or that you're making a difference um, because of the culture. You know, it may not be a negative thing, but maybe the culture. So you want to challenge yourself with other responsibilities because you're now finding out, like I said, what are you good at and what do you want to do? Um, and the fourth would be, if you are making money, maybe you're doing that to create a nest egg so you can start your own company one day and yeah. be an entrepreneur and an innovator, which is something we never did when I was in my 20s. But I, I know that that's something we teach that here. So I think those are valid reasons for leaving. Um, I can't think of, uh, I mean, it's hard for me because I look at resumes and say, you've only been here X amount of time, but then I try to look at what can you bring to MIT that I can't get somewhere else in a candidate? Mm -hmm. And so I look at it that way. So um, I would also be gentle with yourself. I mean, you know, two, you know, two <laughs> up or two, it's like um, as you get older, you're going to realize there's a lot of stressful situations you're going to be in. Yeah. Um, and there'll be some very happy moments and some very, you know, unhappy moments that you have to navigate. So I would just say, you know, just be careful, you know, with... Uh, certain quantitative goals in terms of timelines. And um, if you're there for three years, maybe it was worth it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think this was maybe a, a penultimate question or maybe a, a last question that, I, that, that I'll possibly ask. Um, with this career that you had, which is amazing, um, we wanted to maybe get tips and nuggets uh, for our <laughs> listeners, you know, we're coming into MBAs, we spend time in this immersive, exciting experience, and um, at the back of our minds all the time is, you know, after this experience, I'm going to go out there in the work world, and I want to create a career that's um, a lot more fulfilling than maybe what I, what I came from, and, and make that, that yeah. transformation. Yeah. Maybe you could give us three things, or even more, uh, you know, that we should totally maybe focus on that would, would um, maybe the 80-20 that give you the most value of, uh, based on things that we should know, maybe don't think about that so much. Sure. So I'll base it on my experience. Yeah. If I had to redo it again and go in a magical time machine. Yes. I wish I took more risks. Okay. Um, there's something, I think, I don't know if it's when we're little kids, our parents, our, our culture, is that, you know, uh, failing is bad. And as I said before, it could be the greatest lesson so I wish I took Morris to find out um, what I'd be in a different path right now. So I would say encourage risk-taking. Um, the second thing is network, 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 network. Have coffee every two days with someone you don't know. 
I mean, not go into the street and ask someone, let's have coffee, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And for all the hundred coffees you have, maybe two of those will open up a pathway that you never knew existed. I think those are good probabilities, even two that could change your life. So I wish I networked a bit more. I think the third thing is, whatever you're doing right now, are there ways for you to get exposure? Can you present at a conference? Do you present well? Can you do a TED Talk? Can you, you know, be a, a keynote speaker at something? Um, so you can look at yourself and see, how do people perceive me you know, in, in this role? How do people perceive me as a subject matter expert? So join organizations and do things where you can get exposure. I think that's very important. So those three things. And there's one that's, that's said often, and I know I, I hate saying this because it sounds a little too cutesy. I don't know if that makes <laughs> sense. But it's like, you know, don't do something you don't want to do. Don't feel you have an obligation to anyone, even yourself, that I have to be an airline pilot because my dad was one or because, you know, my dad worked for Boeing or something. Um, I, I don't think that's a good path to go on. So try to find something that you enjoy, that you believe in. And um, I know it sounds a little schmaltzy, you, you know, cutesy, yeah. but I would say if I had to do those over again, um, I would. But I really don't have any regrets. I'm, I'm glad I moved around. Yeah. In fact, I have people who are at Putnam and Fidelity saying, how did you manage to get an MIT? And it's like, I didn't plan it. You know, so be open. It, because I think if you try to structure everything, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Because although we're intelligent, you know, we can't be powerful for all these other variables. It happened, but I was open to the change. And the other thing is, have something outside of work that you're passionate about. For me, it's, it's, it's working on airplanes. Yeah. Restoring aircraft. I love travel. I'm enamored by travel. But fine, if it's art, if it's... Um, you know, I don't know, doing botany or, 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 you know, caring for the homeless, do something. And the last thing I'll say is if you have, start a company. Know what it's like to register a company. Know what it's like to work with legal. Create a website. I started one, you know, with two other friends. The best learning experience of my life. Just to do it, you know. So find something you love doing it and try it. You know, if you have the opportunity to do it, you, you will be amazed at how much. And I, the other thing I'll say is don't underestimate that if you're going to have people reporting to you one day, don't underestimate the amount of time it'll take to work with these people. <laughs> I have weeks here where 20% of what I focus on is my, my like operational job, and 80% is making sure I'm dealing with all the human issues that people have, especially now with COVID, especially now with depression, you know, is increasing, um, the markets the way they are, the wars that we're having, it's a tough time, you know, to be living in the world. And if you are a leader and you're going to have people re reporting to you, that's going to take a big chunk of your time. Again, I love that. Um, but some people may not, and that's fine. So determine that. Um, is that, are those helpful nuggets? It's totally helpful. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just to summarize, um, I'll put it like this. So you, this, the advice that we should take is uh, take risks, network, get exposure, and just be an overall badass. Yeah, so. well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a badass, good. A caring badass. A caring yes, badass. Yes. Badass can have negative connotations, but um, yeah. yeah, a caring leader. And uh, 
yeah, learn from as many people as you can yeah. who, who are leaders. Like these podcasts are great. Um, I also, I don't believe in having a mentor because uh-huh. I think uh, you should have maybe seven mentors. Like uh-huh. I'll come to you for how you deal with investors. I'll come to you to how you deal with um, employees who are, you know, want more. How do I deal with them or, or things like that? I'll come to you to learn how to work with angels or VCs. And I'll come to someone else who's a tax expert. Um, and maybe someone else is good at psychotherapy for when I have down days. But uh, I believe in having a lot of people you can go to. Wow. Yeah. I think that's uh, a good place to, 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 wrap, to, up. to wrap up. That's, well, I hope uh, this was, was helpful. It was totally yeah. insightful. Do you guys want to <laughs> add on anything? No. Thank you very much. Sure. Mm-hmm. I David, this. thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. Um, that's all we have for today, folks. This concludes our episode. <laughs> Join us again next. Join us again next time, where we'll keep bringing you conversations with extraordinary and unconventional people in our community. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you.